Before you listen to this podcast, you can subscribe to The Critic magazine with the current offer of three issues for just £5. Head to our website, www.thecritic.co.uk, to subscribe today. Members of the Scottish Parliament are due to vote on the Hate Crime and Public Order Scotland Bill later this year. The Scottish Government said in a statement, the bill doesn't seek to stifle criticism a rigorous debate in any way. People can express controversial, challenging or offensive views as long as this is not done in a threatening or abusive way that's intended or likely to stir up hatred. Joining me to discuss this is Brian Monteith, a former MSP and MEP and political campaigner since the days of Callaghan's government, and Jamie Gillis, a spokesman for the Free to Disagree campaign. Jamie, if I could start with you, what's actually in this bill? Well, I suppose the main problem we have with the legislation is the drafting of it. Uh, It's very wide open to abuse. Um, You said in your introduction that it will criminalise language which is abusive and deemed likely to stir up hatred um, on certain grounds. And it's important to ask, what does abusive mean? Uh, Is it abusive for an atheist to ridicule religion or um, for a feminist to defend women's rights and oppose uh, transgender ideology? It's, uh, it's a very subjective term. And uh, the second thing really is, is uh, the uh, lack of intention. So uh, a person can commit an offence without intending to do so or being aware that they have done so. Uh, so somebody can commit a stirring up of hatred offence under this bill without even knowing it. Um, and just thirdly, um, the term likely to stir up hatred, that's also very uncertain. So who decides what actions are likely to stir up hatred? Is that the police? Is that the prosecutor? Is it the person who reports you for an offence? It's all very uncertain. And uh, the campaign was formed free to disagree because people think that this vague wording means that free speech could be chilled, uh, that debates on certain issues, especially controversial issues, could be shut down and curbed. Uh, And we do not want to see free speech curtailed in Scotland. Um, We have free speech just now, Uh, We have had free speech for many decades, uh, many centuries indeed, uh, and we want to hold on to that. You're part of the Free to Disagree campaign. What is the Free to Disagree campaign? So Free to Disagree is quite a a broad, uh, eclectic group of people. So it's uh, the Christian Institute, um, a Christian charity, the National Secular Society, secular charity, um, Dr. Stuart Waitin, who's an academic sociologist and a criminologist in Dundee, uh, and a journalist called Madeleine Cairns. Uh, who is a writer for the National Review and one of the first people to sort of speak out on the hate crime bill. Uh, And also Jim Sillers. So Jim Sillers is former deputy leader of the SNP uh, and another person who's been quite critical of the legislation since day one. Um, So I guess the idea behind the campaign is that lots of individuals from different backgrounds, different walks of life, want to see their free speech protected and the free speech of other people protected so they're coming together to do that and that's why they're opposed to the legislation as it stands. Brian, if I could just turn to you, what do you think the motive is behind this piece of legislation? Well, since uh, the Scottish Parliament was uh, reopened in 1999, uh, there has been uh, an uptake of uh, what we might call judicial activism in as much as various various uh, changes to the law that people have felt maybe for a long time uh, were overdue uh, or, or were hobby horses for certain groups uh, have been proposed and uh, some of those have been taken up by 
uh, what was first the Scottish Executive and then became the Scottish Government, uh, to uh, reform Scotland's uh, laws. And, and those could include things to do with, uh, with uh, divorce, they could do with the use of the word bastard in law, which was uh, effectively outlawed. Uh, but over time, as many of the things where there was consensus about uh, reform uh, were, were pressed through, there has then been uh, an activism which might be considered more partisan, more divisive. Uh, and the hate, hate crime, which initially started uh, 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 with its gas on a peep, is now with this uh, proposed bill moved uh, with quite a strong flame and can be turned up even more, of course, uh, which is one of the concerns uh, to the extent of where, where uh, speech is uh, completely uh, cut, uh, surrounded in barbed wire. Now, um, together with that judicial activism, which has grown under devolution, uh, there's also you know, a, a political activism. And uh, there seems no doubt to me that um, the culture war in a sense of uh, uh, gender politics or transgender politics uh, uh, is driving uh, this in some part because uh, one, once one group sees that another group has protection, uh, other groups want to have that protection too. But of course, like all uh, freedoms, one's, one's freedom uh, asserted can of course diminish another person's freedom. And, and this, this then means that in protecting groups from criticism, uh, analysis um, can, can result in uh, people being shut down from saying what they think. Uh, would we have had the Reformation if we'd had a bill like this? Well, I very much doubt so. What would you say to people who say, look, maybe, you know, you don't like this, but uh, maybe it's time for minority groups like uh, trans or disabled people to have the right not to be offended enshrined in law? Is that a right not to be offended? I'm I'm not entirely sure that's a, a, a right. I certainly have no difficulty by, about being offended. Uh, uh, I, I, I think I need to deal with that myself by uh, asserting the, what I see as the truth um, uh, or correcting a, a misapprehension. Uh, and I think it's perfectly possible to have a proper debate uh, and to say, well, you know, your, your argument is actually based on kicking the, the the person rather than kicking the argument uh, uh, and, and that's because you actually don't have an argument you're going for going for uh, what we call playing the man instead of playing the ball uh, we, we can we all should as adults be able to handle offense uh, and 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 take that on and indeed turn it turn it against one's opponent um, I, I think this, this is all part of groupthink where people try to protect groups rather than see people as individuals and and i think this makes for bad law jamie you've written an article in the critic about this and you mentioned how there's already a law in scotland that prevents people from making comments about race and uh, national identity can you explain what the current law is yes yeah, so there is a stirring up of hatred defense in law already it's been in law for several years and that pertains to race and uh, national identity so if you Stir up hatred against somebody on the grounds of their race, then you can uh, you commit an offence. And uh, what this new bill seeks to do really is to extend that law to cover several other grounds. So you've got age, disability, uh, sexual orientation, religion, and uh, transgender identity, and variations in sex characteristics. Um, 
And so the problem we have with that essentially is that a lot of these new categories uh, are a lot more subjective. So um, criticizing somebody for their religious beliefs, criticizing religion itself, for example, that's very different to criticizing somebody or attacking them on the grounds of their race, something that's inherent to that person. Uh, and it's long accepted in, in every uh, good society, really, that racism is wrong uh, and should be tackled. And there has been historic problems with racism in the UK as with other countries. So the race, the race offence isn't really controversial. It's these new offences which extend to a plethora of other groups uh, and more subjective things. Um, so sexual orientation, transgender identity, religious belief, uh, non-religious belief. You have to be able in a free society to robustly debate, criticise, attack, you know, all these different things, all these different beliefs. And as Brian was saying, there's, there's a vast difference between uh, attacking or criticising somebody's uh, belief system and the person themselves. You're playing the, the ball, not the man, as, as Brian put it. So uh, the concern is when you start to regulate um, what discussion about certain characteristics and certain uh, beliefs and philosophies, um, that's getting into quite dangerous territory. And it's something that's really common to more authoritarian governments when you start to talk about, uh, or sorry, uh, limit what citizens can speak about and the way that they can speak about it. Um, we as a campaign think that free speech is a fundamental right. And actually it's a good right which underpins uh, all of the democratic institutions in our society. And societies do much better when free speech is enabled uh, and you can speak freely and, and widely about different things. And there is no right in life not to be offended. Uh, if, if there was a right not to be offended, that would chill free speech in a way which uh, would be detrimental to everybody. Um, and I think uh, in, in the society we're living in, actually, um, we've lost the ability to debate things and debate ideas and beliefs and talk robustly about different things without bringing offence into it. Uh, we live in a society where uh, we have cancel culture, where if somebody criticises a certain political idea or says something that's politically incorrect, then they're sort of uh, marginalised and attacked and they become a cultural outcast. And there's no forgiveness. And I think, you know, in society, we need to be a bit more robust. We need to regain our backbone. We need to have free speech uh, and accept that others will have uh, ideas about our beliefs and our uh, way of life, which uh, is offensive uh, to us and uh, which is very different to ours. And when we live in a free, open, pluralistic society, uh, we need to accept that that's the case. And uh, it's worked in the past. It needs to work now. And uh, this legislation really uh, is is a danger to that free society, and we we hope the government will amend it. And uh, I think uh, just the variety of of different people that have spoken out over the last few weeks it's been astonishing. I mean, my job's been very difficult trying to keep up with the number of critics that have spoken out uh, about this legislation. Uh, and in many ways, you know, the Free to Disagree campaign is just doing a, a small part uh, of this wider opposition to the bill. Um, and, you know, it's the onus is on the government to listen to the criticisms of their bill and amend the legislation in the weeks and months ahead. And we really hope that they'll listen and do that. And Brian, most people in England and the rest of the UK aren't paying a huge amount of attention to what's going on in Scotland. Is this bill uh, an anomaly or is Scotland more authoritarian than the rest of Britain? 
Well, I, I certainly would argue so, uh, and 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 I think people in the rest of the UK should be concerned about what happens in Scotland, because what what we have seen over the last few decades is uh, the use of devolution um, by those that wish to change things, which is fine. That's what we have in open democratic society, but the use of devolution to change things in a particular part of the UK, so that it may then becomes uh, a way of uh, pushing that argument across the rest of the UK. So, so uh, if we take the wider uh, British Isles, and I'll use that uh, term loosely, um, call it the British and Irish Isles, uh, but the smoking ban started in, uh, as we know it, uh, in the Republic of Ireland. And it was very quickly picked up uh, by the First Minister, Jack McConnell, uh, who thought it was something he should do in Scotland. And so it was introduced in Scotland. And, 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 and if you just look at what happened, it, of course, then uh, travelled uh, across the UK and uh, Tony Blair introduced it without having had it in his manifesto. Now, this isn't whether, you know, you support the smoking ban or not. This is about the progress and the, the, uh, the process of how things can be brought in through change. And, and what I'm arguing is that uh, this type of uh, hate crime bill um, is something that... Uh, were it to pass in Scotland, uh, then one would expect that others uh, in other parts of uh, uh, the UK would seek to then uh, push it uh, through uh, the Senate, through uh, Stormont, through uh, the House of Commons. Um, uh, people, it, it, it creates adherents who, and disciples who want to see the same thing happen. So, so we do need to uh, watch what happens in, across the whole of the UK. Uh, and, and learn from that and pick up from the arguments and pick up from uh, what works in campaigning, what doesn't. Um, so I think everybody should be concerned. Uh, and and I, I think that Scotland, uh, since devolution, has had a history of, of banning more and more things, uh, making things more difficult for people's everyday lives and leading their own lifestyles, uh, uh, changing laws on drinking uh, in the sense of what you can buy, when you can buy it, uh, what, how much how alcohol is sold um, and uh, offers in, in supermarkets, the measures in pubs uh, to what uh, takes you over the limit for drink driving. All these things have been happening uh, as progressively uh, Scotland has become more and more controlled. And to me, uh, although I'll make a party political point, not that I'm an advocate of any uh, political party uh, in Scotland, um, the, the truth is uh, that... Uh, this has been taken up equally by some Conservatives, equally by Labour and Liberal Democrats, but particularly by the SNP because they've been in power for so long in, in making Scotland uh, a more puritanical uh, nanny state. So in some sense, you think the Scottish Parliament and the SNP are a gateway drug for wokeism across the whole of the UK? Well, well, it has been from the beginning. Uh, there's, there's always, we, we didn't have the phrase virtue signalling when we first started in the Scottish Parliament, but certainly a lot of that went on. And, uh, you know, the, the, the truth of it was that people would make changes in law, whether or not it would uh, make a great difference. And so we, we spent years, I mean, at least 18 months before I think the bill came forward on fox hunting. Now, fox hunting had never been a particularly big thing in Scotland. Uh, but it was it was very big thing to signal about, and and, and we ended up with a, a bill 
which banned fox hunting, but allowed people to ride around on horses uh, 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 and able to able to uh, sh uh, shoot uh, 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 foxes uh, if uh, under certain circumstances. So in the end, in the end, nothing really changed, but everybody felt good about themselves uh, for having uh, banned fox hunting. And and uh, the, the the truth of it is that, that this is what happens uh, a great deal, unfortunately, in Hollywood. Uh, there are many laws passed that, to of little effect or in fact uh, bring about unintended consequences uh, that, that, that you know, then, then people wish to then make further reforms or further laws to, to uh, change those. And Jamie, I did read about one unintended consequence. Um, somebody suggested that owning a copy of the Bible in your own home could become a criminal offence. Is that possible or do you think that's just scaremongering? <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, the Catholic Church has raised concerns about that. I think it goes back to the, the wording that we discussed at the beginning. So the term abusive, I mean, that's a very uh, vague term. I mean, is it, it's a lot of people would find something uh, like the Bible to be abusive, certain passages of the Bible or the Quran uh, to be abusive. Uh, and the bill does not have uh, something called a dwelling defence. So other parallel legislation in, in England has a dwelling defence, which means that you cannot be prosecuted for words spoken in the privacy of your own home. Um, that's that's quite a traditional democratic right, uh, as you can imagine. Um, and the bill that the Scottish government has brought forward does not have uh, that defence. Um, and it also creates offences of inflammatory material, which uh, are deemed likely to stir up hatred. So uh, material which is abusive and thought likely to stir up hatred would be an offence. Um, so certainly by that standard, you can see how something like the Bible or even other materials, uh, you know, Mein Kampf, Adolf Hitler's book or other academic uh, texts. Stuart Waiten, who's a, a member of our campaign, makes the point that academics who are studying uh, offensive literature or controversial texts and papers um, could be prosecuted under the terms of the bill merely for having possession of those papers. So even if they're criticizing Mein Kampf and, and looking at it in a, in a historical, analytical way, if they have possession of that material uh, under the terms of the bill, that could be an offence. Uh, so really, the problem is that it's so vague and so open to interpretation that potentially uh, there's, you know, there could be mission creep. Uh, the bill could uh, start off meaning well, uh, but very quickly be misused. And uh, another of the, the fears that people have is that it will be misused by people who really want to shut down debate or criticism of their beliefs. So we already live. Um, in a culture where that happens. We've, I think I mentioned briefly before, cancel culture. But if you have legislation uh, where you can report somebody for having abusive material or speaking in an abusive way uh, and claim that hatred is being stirred up, you know, you can see how that would be misused by campaigners who want to shut down the other side uh, and create problems for them. And, you know, in the culture we live in, at least the criminal law isn't brought into it just now. You might be harangued on Twitter, like JK Rowling or somebody like that, and you might have abuse um, on Twitter, but you're not gonna find yourself in the dock. Uh, and you know the idea that people would find themselves in the courtroom for statements or material which is controversial is very, very chilling indeed. And Brian, you're a long time political campaigner for various causes like uh, Brexit. 
is this not just the SNP putting forward legislation that they believe in? You know, if the Conservatives or, you know, government of Eurosceptics was in charge, would they not just be doing the same thing, outlawing speech that they might find offensive, uh, maybe um, outlawing people claiming that the European Union is the, the only legitimate authority in the UK? No, I, 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 I wouldn't share that view. Uh, I think something's happened in the SNP. Uh, in the last uh, four or five years. And uh, that kind of uh, comes along at the same time as uh, Nicola Sturgeon effectively you know, taking over from Alex Salmon and becoming the leader. And uh, I thought there was a cult around Alex Salmon, but hey, you know, there's more, certainly far more of a cult around Nicola Sturgeon than there was with Alex. Um, and, and there has been a change, I think, in the SNP's approach. Uh, uh, and I, 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 this is uh, not so much a point about the, the Scottish National Party uh, as a party. It's about you know where where it's, it seems to be going under the current leadership. And, and I say that because uh, when the SNP came to power in 2007 as a minority government, uh, supported it must be said by uh, the Conservatives, um, then then uh, the strategy certainly seemed to be, and I don't think many people would dispute this, of not of not being too radical, not being too outspoken, not being too reformist, but generally trying to prove competency and, and, and show people that actually, you know, uh, the SNP can do things maybe better than Labour and the Liberal Democrats who had been there before. Uh, uh, and there's nothing to fear from independence because, you know, hey, we can, we can run devolution and it works. Why don't we have more powers and, 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 and show how independence can work? That seemed to be uh, the general strategy. And, and, uh, so, so to a certain extent, uh, the SNP did not want to scare the horses. Uh, it, it did not want to frighten the voters. And, and, and there was a period, uh, probably pretty much up till 2011, uh, the next election, when the SNP was thought of as being reasonably competent, meeting some of its promises, not all, uh, uh, but not, upset, not upsetting people, because the goal was at some point to have a referendum and, and, and not have upset individual groups. But since losing that referendum that came about in 2014, uh, that, that strategy certainly seems to have gone out the window. The SNP seems, certainly seems far more partisan, far more willing to divide or polarise uh, people, and far more willing to, I think, support particular minority groups or, or groups that favours that may be a majority, uh, uh, to try and rally them behind uh, the SNP uh, and keep them in power. And, 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 and I think this bill actually is an example of that because I think it is uh, exceptional in that it is actually a, a clearly a divisive bill, as was the named persons bill, but most people clearly didn't quite understand that. And, and if they weren't parents, it maybe didn't, uh, they maybe didn't think it affected them. Um, but this affects everybody. And, and to me, it is driven by the uh, transgender issue because for all that is not what is at the centre of it, I, I do believe that that is in, in future where it really wants to go that from many people that advocate this bill. So, so, so we have a situation where the SNP, I think, is, is far more ideological. And this is an example of ideology uh, taking over uh, practical, uh, practical common sense. Uh, and just one final question to you both, maybe you first, Brian. How confident are you that this bill is going to be defeated? It's very hard to say because um, to try to try and get uh, 
a majority uh, against uh, an SNP bill uh, requires uh, the competing opposition parties to to come together, and uh, that that may be possible with uh, some or many of them, but the the Green Party remains uh, in some cases unknown. Uh, and, and it will come down because the, the SNP's internal discipline is very strict and very effective. Uh, I, I would be most surprised if there are any uh, rebellions on the benches or seats of the SNP. It will come down in the end, I suspect, to what the Green Party decides. And <clears throat> although it's encouraging to see that there have been some supporters of independence uh, come forward and, and, and say they are against uh, this bill, I, I do think that um, we need to hear some more green voices uh, saying they're against this bill as well. Um, but maybe they have their own interests. Maybe they want to shut down discussions on climate change. Uh, maybe that in, a, in the end will be one of the uh, categories that people will, will seek to include as, as a, without as any doubt, the bill is, if it becomes law, then expanded by further amendment at a later stage. And what about you, Jamie? How confident are you that you'll be able to defeat this legislation? I think I essentially agree with Brian. Uh, I think a lot does depend on the Greens. So obviously, in the last few weeks, you've had Scottish Labour and the Scottish Conservatives speaking out quite forthrightly on the bill. And the, the Greens are an unknown uh, entity, really. And they are sort of the kingmakers in the Scottish Parliament. They've always been seen as that the last few years. Um, and people like Patrick Harvey, who's the leader of the Scottish Green, have been uh, quite uh, in favour of similar legislation in the past. Um, I also think some depends, a lot depends on the, the Scottish government itself. Um, we've seen with previous legislation like uh, the Offensive Behaviour Football Act and the Name Person Scheme, uh, they have been quite intransigent sometimes and dug their heels in and refused um, to sort of uh, amend and change things. So a lot hinges as well on uh, the Justice Secretary, Hamza Youssef. Is he going to listen? Is he going to uh, seek compromise and work with other groups and, uh, you know, sort of accept amendments um, to the bill? I really hope that he, that he will do that. I think uh, in, in the last few days, he's uh, put out some tweets saying uh, that he is listening. Um, so if Hamza Youssef decides to listen, um, and if the chorus of criticism continues to grow, um, I think there's a good chance that the bill can be amended. If I had, I'm not a betting man, but if I had to bet, I would say probably it's going to go through in some form or another, um, given that the SNP has tight ranks and it has the numbers. Um, but we would hope, uh, at free to disagree, that there would be sensible amendments to the bill that different parties can get behind. Well, Jamie Gillis and Brian Monteith, thank you very much for coming on The Critic Podcast. Thank you. Good, good. If you've enjoyed listening to The Critic Podcast, why not subscribe to have the magazine delivered to your door? Subscribe today with the offer of three issues for just £5 by heading to our website, www.thecritic.co.uk.